New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally Savvy with registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky and health journalist Lisa Davis. Andrea and I have many things in common. We both like to help people. We both like to be healthy and we both have trouble digesting starch. So we are a part of the paleo revolution. Although you're not going to see us with big hunks of meat and cave people outfits. We just, you know, like to eat some nice organic grass fed meat a little bit and some big salads. (laughs) So Andrea just did a cute face and some nuts and seeds and things like that. We have got some great gals here, Jill Hillhouse and Lisa Cantier. Uh, The book is The Paleo Diabetes Diet Solution. Manage your blood sugar with 125 recipes plus a 30-minute, Susie's 30-minute, 30-day meal plan. I don't know where I got the minute from. Hey, gals, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. You know, in the introduction, you have food is blank and you have a blank line and and you say that many people think of fuel, which it is, but then you break it up even further. You talk about the macronutrients, protein, fat and carbohydrates. You talk about the changes over the last 150 years. And while some of these changes, you know, make things more efficient, a lot of them have got us eating a bunch of I mean, super processed crap. So to get back to basics, uh, you know, I mentioned the paleo, I mentioned that it's much more than just eating meat. But you know, Jill, if you can talk to us about it, and then why in particular is it beneficial for people with diabetes? Okay, great. Yeah, the, the, the paleo diet, as you said, it's not all about just eating big hunks of meat. And it's not to really blindly go back two million years or, or you know, to the, paleo, the actual Paleolithic era where it gets its yeah. name, but to try and replicate what our ancestors ate. But more, um, it's a, a framework for providing the right foods for blood sugar control. And it's more about the fact that we're genetically adapted to eat a diet of unprocessed whole foods, just as our ancestors would have, and genetically unadapted to eating the diet of sugar and sweeteners and processed grains and industrial seed oils that we've evolved into over the last, well, really only the last 100 years or so. Um, And so uh, it's more about what our genetics are designed to react to, and that's the idea that I started with in the introduction of the book, which is that food is information. And many studies, many, many studies now have been done uh, looking at what genes are turned on and off with various kinds of foods. And what we know is that these highly processed foods are leading us really down the wrong path, for sure. Industrialized seed oil, what, for people who aren't familiar, what is that? That's really all of our oils that we see on the oil, uh, in the oil aisle in the grocery store. <laughs> the, um, the highly processed uh, cottonseed oil and the vegetable yeah. oils actually don't come from vegetables. They come from seeds. No, but, they're, um, they're highly processed and they are deodorized and defoamed and, and end up being highly inflammatory in the body when we get them in large mm-hmm. amounts which in a traditional standard North American diet, we really do. A lot of these oils are hydrogenated, which is really what we want. It's the number one thing we want to avoid, but yet we're cooking. So many people are cooking with these oils and not realizing how toxic they are. I guess, I don't know, it was like maybe eight months ago or so, I had some genetic testing. So, Jill, you alluded to that, and I tested... Mm -hmm. And I found out that I, it was through utrans.me, uh, and I found out that I cannot digest starch. And for the longest time, I mean, I'm a holistic nutritionist. I teach people how to eat healthy, and I would eat healthy. I would eat quinoa, I'd eat millet, I'd eat all these healthy grains. And what I found out was my body doesn't like those grains. And if I keep eating those grains, then I eventually could end up with type 2 diabetes. So what I quickly did was I removed 
all of it for my diet and I went paleo. And it's funny, I'd been thinking about going paleo for so long and I was like, eh, I need a push. And well, this was my push and it changed my life. <laughs> That's a pretty oh, good completely. push. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's a pretty good push. And I literally took out every single grain and I've been following the paleo diet ever since. And I feel great on it. I really, really love it. So talk a little bit more about, you know, the gene expression, if you can. I mean, I know you're not a geneticist, but if you're able to a little bit more so people can understand what that, what those genetic markers really mean for people to understand how they should be eating a certain way. I recently found out through some genetic testing that I have the Amy1 gene, which yep. um, the variation that I have, perhaps this is similar to what you found out, Andrea, but it basically is an inability to um, break down starch. So I have yes, all those exactly same it. risk factors. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting to me because I have celiac disease and I've been tested through all the traditional tests. And so I now, and, and in, from what I learned about this gene, is that the same with you? Sort of the same? Yep, exactly the same. So, and, and probably you found out that it affects apparently about one in 10 people. And I find it really interesting that also having celiac disease, I wonder how many people with celiac have this gene variation. So it's really fascinating stuff. Mm -hmm. It's really new information. But um, I I should have been eating paleo all my life. And another interesting point is that a lot of people who have celiac disease and non-celiac gluten sensitivity struggle um, on a gluten-free diet. And many people find that it's not enough and they need to go grain-free or paleo to get well. Yeah, that's that's exactly... I'm not celiac. I'm exactly what you said. I'm gluten intolerant and... For sure. I mean, I, you know, it's funny because even though I was eating grains, the, the biggest thing I'd say for me was really the, you know, my head, my memory. I'd say now that completely changed because before I would be like, eh, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. But then as soon as I removed grains from my diet, oh my gosh, sharp. Like that I'd say, like, what about Lisa? I know you went, you know, Lisa Davis. I know you went paleo not yeah. long ago. What would you say would be the biggest thing you noticed? Yeah, well, for me, I've had food hangovers for years, and now I know what gives them to me so I can make a choice. So if I eat paleo 90% of the time, but I wanted pizza last week because my family wanted pizza, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have pizza, and yeah, I might feel a little foggy-headed, but at least I'm aware of it, where I think that Mm. when you have no idea what's making you feel crappy, once you figure it out, then you can be like, you know what? I'm going to have a piece of pizza. I'm going to have this, but most of the time, I'm going to stick to the paleo. You know, speaking of food, I just want to mention how incredible this is. I mean, you have not only a pantry checklist, but you go over everything in detail from nut milks to nut flours and coconut flour to different types of vinegars to different types of nuts and seeds. I mean, it's really great to, you know, a kitchen detox, uh, getting ready, the tools and equipment. I love a book like this where you're not just saying to people, okay, go paleo, have fun. You're like, okay, here's exactly what you do. And this is going to give you all the information that you need. So really great job, gals. Great. Thank you. I think it's really important when you're talking about a particular diet, like the paleo diet, people have heard about it. People may not know exactly what it is. So to provide all that information that really, you know, the book is sort of a one-stop shop of here's all the information you need to get started and try things out. Maybe every meal isn't paleo, but you can start and try things out and and look at what happens with your blood sugar, uh, especially if you're monitoring it yourself, which is another thing we talk about in the book as a really good tool for controlling your blood sugar. 
Well, talk a little bit about the diabetes side of things. You know, we had just did an interview about it. So in my head, I'm thinking, oh, we talked. No, 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 that was with Charles. We need to talk to you guys about <laughs> diabetes. And when you said, wait a second, this paleo thing is the way to go. Right. Well, if you if you look at how blood sugar works in the body and and go way back to that, our blood sugar rises in response to glucose in the blood. And we get glucose in the blood from eating carbohydrates because carbohydrates are broken down into individual glucose molecules. So really it's our carbohydrates that are, for the most part, proteins to a lesser extent, but carbohydrates for the most part are what raise our blood sugar. And when we eat them frequently, like at every meal and snack, we have grain or sugar or both, um, our blood sugar goes up. And in response to that, our insulin then goes up. Uh, And over time, when we have demands on our blood sugar and therefore insulin over time, the insulin receptors on the cell whose job it is is to get the sugar out of the blood and into the cell where we can use it for energy, they get kind of tired and they do what is called down-regulate. And then the sugar can't move out of the blood and into the cells quite the same way. So we end up with blood sugar backing up and we end up with insulin backing up. And um, that's what leads us down the road through sort of insulin resistance and then pre-diabetes and then right down to full-blown type 2 diabetes. You know, one of the things I find sometimes people get confused about is what are we allowed and not allowed to eat on a paleo diet? Maybe you can take us through a little bit about what our options are and, you know, why can't we have legumes? And some people are more flexible than others. I'd love to know a little bit about the, you know, about the concept behind that. Yeah, sure. Um, strict paleo is going to is going to uh, eliminate uh, all sugars and sweeteners. Um, of course, they're they are really our biggest source of uh, or one of the biggest sources of carbohydrates. It's also going to eliminate grain because grain wasn't around within uh, until we started to use agriculture. And of course, the industrial seed oils and also legumes and dairy. Now, dairy, again, wasn't something that was around until we uh, started raising livestock. Uh, And legumes, because they are also part of the agricultural movement that started, I don't know, 10,000 years ago or so, um, they're eliminated from the um, paleo diet too. So all of the highest carbohydrate foods are eliminated, and that's why it can be so effective for blood sugar control. So from what I've read about legumes is that... um they can, well, because a lot of them have a high carb content as well, um, they can be, um, you know, a lot of what you're consuming can convert into glucose, but also um, they can have that similar effect um, on your digestive tract that grains can have. So a lot of people do have issues with legumes. Um, so similar patterns of behavior, you could say. Interesting, because I love legumes. I don't eat them a lot, but I do eat lentils and I do eat, I eat pinto beans and cannellini beans. I make chili once a week and, but I, you know, for me, they're okay. So I guess I'm not strict paleo then. We're not really um, overly strict. Like you need to follow the diet to the letter. Um, There are guidelines around the diet and the traditional diet and how it's been relayed. But, um, you know, like, Jill was saying, if you're going to be paleo most of the time, but 
sometimes you could try out some of the other foods. Like some people will do a modified version where they'll still include some sources of dairy, such as yogurt and things like that. And this is where the individualization of everything comes in too, just as Lisa was saying, Mm -hmm. and the individual tolerance. I mean, some people may be able, from a blood sugar perspective, may be able to handle some beans and lentils, despite the fact of them being so high carbohydrate. They also have a tremendous fiber content, but other people might not be able to. So when you do your individual testing, you get to see what foods you can handle in terms of blood sugar uh, and then go from there. And, and, you know, when we, when people personalize their own diet, it is through trial and error and it is through tweaking and testing and, and documenting what happens for you personally, rather than following just some nutritional dogma. You know, people are listening and they might say, well, how do I know if I could tolerate it or not? What are some things that they could be looking for in order to know whether or not they can tolerate it? If you have digestive problems, then perhaps, you know, taking out some of those foods and keeping it a little more strict and then introducing them um, gradually and slowly into the diet and keeping a food journal of how you react. Mm-hmm. And listening to your body, of course, that's, you know, exactly the most important Absolutely. thing. because. You know, because if you know if you get, you know, exactly if you have diabetes, that's one thing. Of course, you can measure it. But if you don't, let's say you have sure. gluten, you're sensitive to gluten, and maybe you know it's maybe you're getting that lightheadedness, or you're getting cloudiness in your head, or maybe you you know you need to take a nap, or whatever it is that your body is telling you, hey, I don't like these so much. Maybe I should avoid that. You know, <laughs> kind of go on to that other thing. <laughs> Some people think, oh, that's just uh, my imagination, or that just sounds silly. It's not always taken seriously. But there's actually more evidence showing that brain fog is a true um, symptom of of different um, digestive disorders. You know, I want to jump into the recipes. I made the Mexican chicken soup and there's so it was so delicious and there's so many great recipes. And I think when people think about going paleo, all they can think about is what they're not having instead of Mm -hmm. all the great stuff that they can have. What was it like for you gals to come up with these fabulous recipes? It was a great, a great experiment, a great joint effort for us. We both have, you know, our, our, our favorite family recipes that we tweaked mm-hmm. in order to have them fall under the paleo umbrella um, and therefore be better for blood sugar. But it was fun, wasn't it, Lisa, to be testing all the recipes? Testing recipes that I could actually tolerate and playing around with. There's so many foods that people can have on Following strict paleo or modified paleo, there's wild fish, seafood, so many different vegetables that you can experiment with that you may have never tried, all kinds of meats, eggs, healthy fats, fruits, nuts and seeds. So there's Mm -hmm. tons and tons of options that you can work with um, if you're doing paleo from a strict sense. One thing I'd like to touch on before we, you know, we end the interview today is, can you explain the difference between a paleo diet and a ketogenic diet? Because I think for a lot of people, they may not understand what the difference is. That's a great uh, uh, question because the ketogenic diet is gaining momentum for sure. Um, And ketogenic diet is just a lot higher fat um, and and um, very low carbohydrate. So if you were to look at a calorie breakdown, a, tr- a typical ketogenic diet would be 70% fats that would come from coconut and nuts and seeds and good oils and avocado and that kind of stuff. 
and only about 5 to 10% of carbohydrates. So you'd be able to eat a couple of cups of vegetables a day, um, and that's about it. The paleo is really more equally spaced or balanced between fats and carbohydrates and proteins. So it's lower fat, a little bit higher protein, and higher carbohydrate than a typical keto diet. Yeah, well, yeah, when we're so, done here, I'm going to have to go to the store because there's so many, <laughs> like Mother Hubbard is covered as bear. And I'm trying to figure out which one of your awesome recipes to make because you have so many. You know, one that just caught my eye, you know, I used to love fish sticks when I was a kid. And I don't think I've had them for so many years. And you use almond flour, you use, use um, grass-fed butter and free-range eggs and halibut. Okay, I'm going to have to make this. <laughs> It's so delicious. You know, one of my favorite ones is the Asian um, uh, Asian chicken cups. Those are that mm. is a delicious one. That is really good to have leftovers. Uh, make enough so you've got leftovers for the next day's lunch. Addicted to some of the snacky things like the seed crackers. Like if we make a batch of those, that are and then you absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, you know, Lisa, you made an important, Lisa Davis, you made an important point is that, you know, there are things you haven't been able to eat in years because let's say you're avoiding certain things, but now you can yeah. because there's great alternatives. And ladies, you know, Lisa Cantier and Jill, I think the important thing to note about your book is that we don't have to feel deprived just because we're on a paleo diet. There are so many great options out there and using different types of flowers, coconut flowers, almond flowers that you're not really going to miss us miss much. And also, you know, nowadays we're living in a world where there are so many great options. Like for example, Siete foods, one of my favorite, favorite, oh my gosh, favorite companies, they have tortilla chips and they have like their tortilla wraps. I mean, literally if you don't, you know, you, let's say you don't have time to make it at home, you can find other options out there, which is so yeah. great. So you don't have to feel And the their chips are fried in avocado oil. I had to interrupt. Right. That's what's like so it's, amazing. They are so the avocado oil doesn't change to trans fat. Yeah, I, I love those. We got to get them as a sponsor. They're flipping amazing. I know, no, they, they are, are amazing, amazing for sure. I've spoken to them a few times. I'd love them to. I'd love to work with them because I buy their products all the time, right? So it's no, they're huge. Yeah, they're they're amazing, huge. But uh, I think at the end of the day, ladies, what we're trying to say is that we don't we don't have to feel deprived. We've got your book that we can go and we can like Lisa's obviously making. I think for the next week, she has a you know different meal from your book to make. And there's always things yes. that we can <laughs> we can make and we can use that you don't have to feel like you're missing out. And I think that's the important thing. Wouldn't you agree? Completely, absolutely. absolutely. And as you said, there's so much available now at the stores. Um, really, the key yeah. is to try one thing, and, and then you'll realize how easy it is, and, and there's no reason to be afraid of it. So where can people find your book if they'd like to get a copy of it today? It's available, available on Amazon. Amazon. Cool. Amazon. Okay, so .com and .ca? And .ca, yeah. yes, and indigo.ca as well. Okay, amazing. So Lisa Davis, can you just repeat the name of the book, please? Oh, yes, it's fabulous. The Paleo Diabetes Diet Solution Manage Your Blood Sugar with 125 recipes plus a 30-day meal plan. I'm so excited because now I've got so many awesome recipes to make. That's awesome. Well, ladies, Wonderful. thank you so much for being on our show. And we also want to give a big shout out and thanks to our sponsor, Lily of the Desert, because without our amazing sponsors, we wouldn't be able to speak to amazing people like you. So thank you, Lily of the Desert. You can learn more about all of their aloe vera products, which, by the way, summer is coming. So make sure that you have aloe vera on hand in case you get a sunburn. Very important. So it's lilyofthedesert.com. Thank you, ladies, for being on. I'm Andrea Donsky, along with Lisa Davis, and you're listening to Naturally Savvy Radio. Like us on all social media at Naturally Savvy, at Andrea Donsky, at Radio MD, and at Health Media Gal One. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay well.